I've never done this before, but before you listen to this podcast, I wanted to make sure I put a little bit of a disclaimer out. This might be one of the most intense podcast episodes I've ever done. It's one of my favorites, but it's real talk. I mean, it's real, real talk. It's so real that there's actually parts I had to redact. There's parts I had to take out just to be safe and to protect everyone involved. In this episode, we're going to talk about things that are not appropriate for younger audiences. So please make sure and be careful because there's going to be talks about illegal substances and past lives and just things that people have done to come back up. Uh, it's an amazing episode, all right? And we're and it's the longest episode we've ever done here. So all I want you to do is I just want you to make sure I want you ready. It's intense. It's emotional, and it's got a lot of topics that we don't typically talk about on this ep- on this podcast. So just make sure your environment is one where you can listen to it. But with that said, all right, and be patient because we get to some meat about how to generate income. But that's at the end of the episode. The bulk of it is on stuff that we all should be talking much more about, but we don't. Anyways, now that you know, to the episode. What's next? What actually holds the value for a project? And so when I come into projects as like the advisor, and I say, okay, you guys just have this. What's the utility? What is it going to do? Why, if, if, if you were to obtain, if you were to purchase one of these NFTs today, why is it going to hold its value floor price wise over the next year? And if it's just a profile picture, you and 50 other people are launching one every single day. This is The Fighting Entrepreneur, the podcast dedicated to entrepreneurs looking to change the world. Learn how to start, build, and scale a business in today's highly competitive business environment. Here's your host, The Fighting Entrepreneur, Anik Singhal. What's up, you crazy fighting entrepreneurs? Guess who it is? Your favorite person in the whole wide world, Onyx Gall, back with another fight. Stepping in the ring with me today is a dear, dear friend of mine, and it's going to be an interesting episode. We're going to talk about addiction, drugs, recovery, going broke, selling off all your stuff, and then coming back and making millions. You know how they say some entrepreneurs who've made millions, then they go broke and It's like, you can count on them making that millions again. Well, we got one of them here today. And what I love about him is that he's, he told me no boundaries. We could talk about anything, Um, which if I was him, I would be scared because he's a friend of mine. And I, like, I know a lot of stuff underneath this, you know, underneath the surface that I'm going to bring up, but we're going to have a really fun conversation today. We're going to talk about real stuff. Guys, listen, um, a lot of entrepreneurs go through massive stress, go through massive anxiety, and a lot of entrepreneurs turn towards unhealthy habits to support those those stresses and anxieties and i think we do ourselves a disservice by just staring at all the smiling big pictures of big numbers and on facebook and i think we do a big disservice by not discussing what a lot of people are going through all right um and i'm happy to share even some of my personal experiences today throughout this interview so it's going to be a really i i've been i've been positioning this with my friend as hey this is going to be real talk we're going to do an episode which is just like pure real talk uh, now before we get into it and before i introduce you to our guest make sure you do the usual stuff us youtubers ask you to do like smash that subscribe button click the thumbs up leave a comment tell your grandmother about this episode Actually, maybe not. This might be not appropriate for grandma. So, but anyways, tell everybody else about it. Make sure if you're on iTunes or any of the other services, please hit subscribe. Leave us a great comment. Help us get the word out. And onikpodcast.com, A-N-I-K podcast.com to binge listen to all of our other episodes. If you haven't noticed yet, we've kind of changed our style a little bit and uh, I'm loving them. They're more fun and I think they're more informative to you and they're more real. All right.
Ouch. Whew. All right. And we're back. I said we would do real talk. That was our fire alarm. And they came and said, it's not a test. So we all had to walk outside and we stood outside for 10, 15 minutes. Anyways, we're back. Good old life of, uh, I don't know, just good old life. We're all good, by the way. It turned out to be a false alarm. Someone tripped something. So the Learn Center has not burned down. Thank God. Um, Dan. Oh, well, I hadn't introduced him yet. So I was talking about the person that we're about to introduce. I met him years and years ago. All right. And so the reason we can have this real talk is because we've become friends over those years. And um, the, 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 the joke always has been with him and I is that he's much younger um, than myself. And so he is my consultant to the youth. I don't understand what half the young people are talking about or doing. So I'll call Dan up and be like, what's this? Um, and, you know, Dan has stayed at our house. He's friends with my wife. Like we, we are like friend friends. Okay. So, um, but I've also seen him come out and just conquer things like in a way that I've never seen anyone else do. And so this makes the story we tell today about him even more interesting. Now, he doesn't know this. So, by the way, if you haven't figured out who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Dan Da Silva. And you, many of you have probably seen him around. You've heard from him because he's been big in the marketing space. And he did it at a very, very young age. And Dan doesn't know this, but I'm on the record of saying there's two people I know in my life that I find to be the smartest people that can pretty much do absolutely anything that I'm in awe of. And that is Dan's one of them. It's Dan and, and another friend of mine named Ritho. These are two people that if they need to do design, if they need to do content, if they need to code, if they need to, I don't know anything, they just figure it out. And Dan is a living testament to it because, you know, and I don't want to give away too much of his story, but he, I, I actually, one thing I don't know is if he went to college or anything like that. Um, but he came into the world, rocked it out, took over the marketing space and then some unfortunate things happened in his life that we'll talk about today. But then when he came back, most people would take years to get back. He came back stronger, better, faster, making more money, making millions with NFTs and crypto. So we're going to talk about that in the latter half of this interview as well. It's just exactly how he's doing it. So how he's making money with NFTs, millions, by the way, millions with crypto. So everyone help me welcome to our virtual stage today and into the ring with me, Mr. Dan Da Silva. Dan, what's up, man? Hey, Anik, thanks for having me on, by the way. It's a pleasure, yeah, as always. Dan, did you go to college? I didn't go to college, no. I dropped out of high school, actually. Um, I dropped That's out senior cool. year because I was just I was just super rebellious. And um, my, my principal loved me. We built a great relationship over the four years. But she was like, okay, listen, um, you just didn't have the grades to pass uh, this year whatsoever. So you're going to have to either do another half year, I think it was, um, or that we're going to that's it. That's your only option or you drop out. I'm like, yeah, I'll drop out. I was like, so, um, I was like, this isn't, this isn't for me, but it, it's weird. Cause at the same time I was learning about like personal development and self growth and all that. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was just an interesting transition from dropping out to <clears throat> the very next year, uh, just kind of like taking over the YouTube space, being the first person to talk about, you know, at the time e-commerce, um, it was just a, a real, really quick transition. So that's so crazy. I didn't know that. And is it, isn't it nuts? The connection we continue to see between entrepreneurs who drop out and their success. It's like, it's uncanny. And so if anyone doesn't know this, I have, and that's for a separate episode. I have my own views on traditional education, college, all that, and it ain't favorable. So, um, Dan, how old are you today? I'm 26. 26. Gosh, we met when you were what? 20 younger. Um, yeah, actually. Yeah. Cause I, I couldn't, I couldn't even drink yet. I think 20. 
That's so crazy. So you've been doing this stuff now for 10 years, eight years? Uh, since I was, since I was 18, yeah, 18 and a half. No, it was like a few days after a month after I turned 18. So, um, whatever that math equates to, what is that? Eight years. Okay. Yeah. But eight years. So let's dive right into it. So everyone, uh, just so you know, we're going to talk about kind of some, some real talk, right. Between what, what he, what he's done, what he's experienced. And that's very relevant because I'm going to talk to him about the different types of businesses he's launched. He's launched all of them and which ones he's enjoyed the most, but then we're going to come back to, and at the closing half of this podcast, what Dan's going to do is I'm going to ask him that if I want to launch a multi-million dollar NFT um, uh, launch, he's going to give me a step-by-step process to do that. So this is going to be a really, really awesome interview. Uh, Dan, you drop out of high school. A few months later, you said your first success is on YouTube. What the heck had you go to YouTube? Like, walk me through some of your mind and what you're doing at that time. What are your parents saying? Like, you just dropped out of high school. This is like, set you up by societal standards to be a complete, you know, failure what's going on at this time so all right so this is uh this is an interesting journey um my so my parents and, and i really have to take you back to really understand where this all started is that my parents um i have not really a stepdad he raised me from birth uh so but my i've never met my real father um so so my my mom and i uh you know through through my entire life um, and my dad, who I call dad, uh, we he was very entrepreneurial. So he started his own business, and my my mother had me when she was seventeen. So like looking at it now, like hindsight, right? It was um it was kids raising a kid. So there was you know there was because because uh, my dad now was seventeen as well. So it was um it was very interesting because my father had entrepreneurial dreams he uh and he and he pursued it as well so that means i had to spend a lot of time with my grandmother as my mom and dad worked together so uh it was weird because i lived in in a i mean i'm not going to say it was you know like a ritzy area like uh like the suburbs right um it was it was a harder part of of jersey and it's weird because when i was 12 or 13 um i moved to i moved to the the most cliche suburban area ever um to to the point where it just didn't like it didn't really fit in um like what you know kind of my where i came from my background and and where i was now so let's fast forward okay so let's fast forward to um to high school um at this point my my mom uh, decided to uh, change her not necessarily change but kind of adopt a new uh, religious view and that religious view didn't align with me whatsoever uh, because of the fact that uh, the the religion is uh, Jehovah's Witness, actually. So throughout my entire life, like till I was 15 or so, no, probably like 14 or so, 15, um, I was always used to celebrating Christmas, birthdays, like, like celebrating everything, being with my family at all given times, like my massive family. Um, around holidays, Halloween, like everything, right? And uh, and then it was like a flip of a switch where everything was just kind of like taken, like taken away. Um, where I wasn't celebrating with family, was didn't really have friends because the strict rules, um, you know, wasn't allowed out. I was kind of like homebound. I felt so restrained, so restrained. So how and, old um, were you? Uh, this was I was like uh, this was up to when I was sixteen. 
So oh, wow. she she probably changed her religious views when I was, uh, I'd say, 14 or so. Um, and in the beginning, and now they don't do this anymore, but in the beginning, uh, they, they almost in a way try to like push it onto me, like force it onto me. Now they don't do this. We have a great relationship now um, and they don't you know do this anymore. But at 16, I became so rebellious, like super, super rebellious at, you know, at the time, uh, my dad, I know from his younger years, uh, he, you know, he took uh, he, he took performance enhancers when he was younger. Right. So literally steroids or testosterone. So. Um, him and I would always get into like, you know, uh, kind of like verbal alter altercations and whatnot. And we would just get very aggressive. So I was like, you know what? Like, I want to do steroids now. I see everybody in high school, um, you know, like working out, like progressing. I'm just, I'm not doing anything. So I decided to take, uh, to take performance enhancers as well. Man, that, that sparked, this was, this is the, the pivotal like the pinnacle of everything. Uh, there was there was one time my dad and I got into it, and obviously you know this whole uh, thing of roid rage is, is a legit you know is a legit thing. So I remember the the cops came and um, and I, I I just saw red. I was so angry. And uh, long story short, I ended up having to go to a to a mental hospital. It was either that or juvenile detention center. And um, uh, and basically, my mom was like, okay, send him to the mental hospital then. So I was in this uh, mental hospital and let me tell you something, it was an experience, um, but boy, oh boy, you can't take somebody who's that rageful and put them into a room full of individuals like kids, right? That are in that mindset of being in there. The reason why they're in there, right? Yeah. So it just didn't, long story short, I got in there. One kid really like wouldn't stop talking about like uh, massive scale massacres. And I was just like, I got so frustrated and I'll never forget his name either, uh, either. So it was, it was Sebastian. I said, I said, yo, be quiet. And then he, he kept going. I said, yo, be quiet. And this was, this was probably like 11 PM midnight at this time. Um, when I was first admitted and I was so angry still. Um, I mean, let's, let's fast forward after everything that happened. I ended up in the quiet room, as they say, just a padded room. Um, and that was for like 12 hours, 24 hours, but you know, I was just like, I, I really don't belong here. Um, there was, but again, whatever. I came out of the mental hospital, okay? Um, and this is where things how completely- long, How long were you in there? Uh, seven, eight, eight days. On the seventh day, they're supposed to let you out after evaluation. And then I got held back for another day. I was just like, like really like held it in. I was like, ooh. And, <laughs> and- On uh, your perfect behavior so you can go. Yeah. And you know, what's the craziest part is that you can't just stop taking testosterone like during that week you can't just magically well no more like your body physically shuts down so so i was like in this lethargic state just angry and and just hated the world so i came out um and and i i just left home at 16 i left home um and i went to go live with my best friend um and so and so this was honestly, this was, this was my peak years. I had the most fun in my junior senior year than I've ever had in elementary middle. Cause I was always locked down um, and freshman and, and uh, sophomore year, but junior year, um, you know, I went to go stay with my best friend and I even stayed throughout the entire summer. And I didn't have any, like, I didn't talk to my parents. And uh, so when senior year started, this is where things become like really, really insane. Senior year started 
and I'm about a week and a half, two weeks into, into senior year. I get a call from my principal to, you know, uh, telling me to come down to the office and I have a great relationship with her. Um, and, and, you know, I'll never forget her. She's so cool. She's so awesome. Uh, and she was always going up to bat for me too. And so I went down, she said, I have bad news. I said, what is it? She's like, you can't be here. I'm like, what did I do now? Like, what did you guys catch me doing now? She's like, no, no, your father came out and signed you out of school. I was like, I was like, she's like, so basically you're a dropout. I'm like, I'm like, what? So, so this was, this was his way, uh, like my mom and dad's way of basically trying to get me back home, like forcing me back home. So you're not going to school. Like, I, I don't really know what that was really trying to accomplish, but I went back to my best friend's parents' house. Right. And, and, uh, my best friend's mom at the time looked at me, she says, why are you home? I said, uh, like a puppy with his tail between his legs. I told her the situation. She was just like, Oh no, 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 no. So she went down to like one of the state municipal courts, basically, or the, you know, the municipal court for the county. And without the judge even seeing me, uh, he signed an emancipation letter. So, uh, partial half custody was because this judge was super pro education, like super pro education. There was no, there was no like trial or it was just straight up signed the, uh, the emancipation basically. And, um, and she had, you know, I, I don't know if it's like 51% custody, whatever it is, but she had enough custody of me to sign me back into school. So, <laughs> so I was just like, I was like, uh, you know, crazy circumstances. Dude, that, that's like an angel in your life right there. Like, they don't have to do that. What I was just going to ask you when you said you moved in with your best friend, I was going to say, how did, you know, the parents take that, but it sounds like they were pretty supportive. of So it. welcoming, so welcoming. Like they, they, the nicest people on earth. I, I can't even, and, and, you know, later a situation happened um, in the summer when I said I was living with them before senior year started, I needed money. Right. So what does, uh, you know, a 16, and a half, almost 17 year old kid do? Well, well, I guess I shouldn't say what they would do. I guess what I would do. Uh, I ended up, I ended up selling, I ended up selling weed. Um, and, you know, ironically enough, I think this is where I kind of realized that, hey, I might be really good with this entrepreneurial stuff because I, I became very big, very fast. So, <laughs> oh man, that, there you go. There's a course right there, Dan. So, yeah. Right. So I became very big, very fast where the cops were actually state. I know this now, but the cops were staking out, uh, watching me transact, but I transact, um, you know, in very, in very strategic ways. So, you know, I'd move, I'd move around, um, you know, completely like silently, nobody, I wouldn't do drugs. I wouldn't, um, I'd go to parties at that point, but I would never, I would never, uh, drink. I was the most sober individual you'll ever meet. Like everyone's always like, why, why wouldn't you drink? Why? Because uh, the way that I operated was as long as I can be super focused and super dialed in, I will be good to go. Like I am, I am good, you know, as I am, whatever. So I grew very, very, very fast, uh, very fast to, um, you know, to the point where the the cops kept were staking out and you know like those detective movies where they're sitting in the car across the street taking pictures epitome epitome of what happened um so so fast forward i turn 18 okay and i think it happened on, so i turn eight I, I, my birthday is on december 5th and so december 7th or 8th I'm in my, uh, and again, I'm doing this all through, you know, my, my uh, best friend's parents' house, but I'm sitting on my, um, I'm sitting at my computer, right? 
And by the way, just so you know, at this point, I'm transitioning to entrepreneurial. I'm, I uh, read Think and Grow Rich. I had the Tony Robbins new money book that came out. Um, I had a vision board. I was uh, I was participating on Warrior Form, um, like all hold of on, that. Hold on, hold on. So, oh my gosh, sometimes I forget how young. So, money, money was a very defining book in money my life. Money master the game. That's it. It just came out. So, so, t- so I remember reading that book. I remember where I was reading that book because I bought it as soon as it came out. So you're telling me while I'm reading that. You're in New Jersey or wherever reading it, but you're you're selling you're selling drugs at that time. Like this is time I remember transitioning away from selling because I was too big to just call it quits. So okay. transitioning away and and this how is much, how much were you making? I'm just curious. Um, in- at the at the time, um, uh, a lot because I don't want to answer that exact just because I don't want to. I respect that. A, a decent amount for for them to question. Hey, look, we know this isn't all the money you have. Where's the money? And me saying, spent it all, and I'll and I'll leave it there. Um, but it was it, I mean, here. Let me let me put it to you. Have to way. walk away from. Yeah. Let me let me put it to you this way. Rather than saying the exact money, I can say that we were at the you know at the time, um, hypothetically, of course, moving pounds if we were going to to put it in you know those terms. But there was like, there was an angel watching or something. Cause Anik, I'm not kidding. Like I have my Mac that, that I bought, you know, with, with that, uh, with that money, I had think and grow rich that I finished reading like all oh, this, I had a vision board with everything printed out and pasted on there. Like I was, I was changing. I was trying to, you know, uh, initiate some sort of change and I'm sitting in my room um, and my door is closed and uh, all I hear is like this knock. Okay. And I thought it was my friend. I was like, oh, you know, I don't want to hang out right now. I was doing something. And then I hear, uh, you know, knock, knock again. And I'm like, I'm like, bro, I don't want to hang out. And then I hear boom, 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 boom. I go to the door. I open it to like be really mad, be like, leave me alone. All I see is like uh, detectives, SWAT. Um, like it's just uh, two, two dogs, uh, plain clothes detectives as well. I'm like, ah, oh my God. Okay. So you guys waited until I turned 18 a few days after I turned 18. So it was, and they told me that in in the room as well. Like I'm not, I'm not stupid. So they, they, they timed it perfectly. So, and literally a few days after. Um, So, so here's, here's the thing is that uh, they got a, they got a, like an order or whatever it's called to um, not, not just to go into the house, like, cause obviously for like a search and seizure type of like, whatever they were doing, but they actually seized the deed. So they seized the entire house. And once I, once I heard that, I said, yep, it was me. They had nothing to do with it. My best friend wasn't involved. Like I, I didn't even hesitate. Um, and the reason why I didn't hesitate was because the same thing was going through my mind. Like, Hey, these people stuck their necks out for me. No shot. Am I going to let them like take, you know, any type of fall, even though they weren't aware, um, you know, anybody else could have been like, no, like whatever they knew, like, like start pushing stuff around, like blame around. But I was like, no, it was completely all me. They had nothing. They had no awareness, nothing. Um, and so, you know, and, and what the saving grace is and was, is that earlier that day, I had so much in my possession and it just so happens that, um, I had to, I had to give it to somebody to hold, to, you know, let basically lend out. Um, and then it left me with, with barely anything, like barely anything. Uh, and so the amount 
um, the amount at this time, you know, weed wasn't as, as accepted as it is now. Um, the, the punishment was a lot worse. So they hit me with uh, two because the amount that you needed at the time was nothing. Uh, I think it was like two ounces or so for a felony. Um, and so they hit me with two felony possession distribution charges. Um, and uh, yeah, that was, that, that was a real, that was a real so, low blow. So Dan, I got, I got so many questions. Uh, first of all, so would you keep all of that in their house or did you have like a separate place you used to stash it? Oh, damn. I, I would keep it right in their house. Yeah. And so they don't, you only had a little bit on you. I guess they couldn't use any of the pictures of you before you were 18. Cause that evidence wouldn't be admissible. Um, they, they could, the, the pictures were me uh, doing transactions, like proof of transactions. Happen. So that's why they said it was with intent to distribute because they have proof of that, but they don't have enough. Oh, so there, there's another part. Um, somebody who they were, they were picking up people that left my, uh, that left my home or left, you know, my best friend's parents home at the time. So there's one kid, I uh, came in and uh, got a decent amount. I come to find out after I got pinched that he's the one who completely ratted and said, yeah, like, and uh, just kind of like threw me under the bus. But I also heard from other people that as they were leaving my home, the detectives knew that they were in possession and that's how they just, it was, yeah. you know, people snitching and the fact that two and two that's equals four. crazy, man. I mean, at a young age and you're only 18 and as you've already lived such a, such a full and just troubling life, but have you told this story? Like, Dan, have you publicly been out there talking? Like, have you told this on a podcast before? Because I, I got to be honest with you, man. We've been friends for, like we said, six, seven, eight years. I, I didn't know these details. Yeah, I mean, not not in this much not in this much detail. Because I told you, I, I told you, I'd tell you everything. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's. Listen, I know because I saw your recent podcast where you came out to your audience and said, hey, man, this is what I've been going through. I'm sorry. Like, I, I owe you. And I think that that was just so commendable. And I think this is like kind of therapeutic, right? In a way you come out and it's like, first of all, by the way, Dan, dude, you are not alone. Like, you know, there's so many people right now that are listening and watching and going, oh, my God, you know, like, so I want everyone else who's listening to this to be like, this is, this is, that's why we're doing this real talk is this is real life. And um, we all go through our moments and do our, you know, do, do, do things. But what always matters is where we end up. So Dan, all right. So you're 18 now. Uh, you, you've, you've narrowly escaped. Thank God. Angels watching over. Did you have to do any, I mean, you didn't have to do any time for that. Like, was it just a fine? So like, this is where, honey, <laughs> this is where uh, I'm going to take like three or four minutes talking about this, but oh, this is where time. things get really like interesting. I'm sitting in the uh, in the town in the town jail, waiting to be transferred over uh, to uh, to to county jail, um, and so out of nowhere, uh, the one of the cops came in and opens the door and says, "You're free to go." Now, let me tell you something. This is this is winter in Jersey, as you know. Our winters over here get really cold. So this is winter in Jersey. I'm in shorts and a, and a, and a t-shirt. Um, and so the cop opens the, the jail cell and he says, you're free to go, but I have a message for you. I'm like, what, you know, what's the message? Uh, he said, I got a call and your father said you can come home. And I was like, I was like, like my mom and dad, and I haven't talked to them in, in over a year. Like literally there was no communication. Um, and, uh, I had nowhere else to go. So I went home. I mean, you know, I, so I opened the door and there's my mom, grandma, you know, the girlfriend at the time, everyone was just so like upset and crying and whatnot. And, um, yeah, I went home 
And that's when, that's when really I can't, I like even telling the story is, is insane within like eight, I was 18 within six months, uh, seven months, not even, I lived in my parents' basement. I rebuilt and this, at this point, uh, you know, Shopify dropshipping, I was learning it. I opened a store, uh, in the same month using Facebook ads, AliExpress, it was six figures. I was like, wow. I was like, and it was just such, you know, and I attribute a lot to personal growth too, is that transition period of, and thinking grow rich has really been a huge impact for me, but, uh, it was just so crazy. So you, in this time, you were, you dropped out of school somewhere in this time. Okay. And so you, so how soon after you drop out of school, do you turn to Shopify and e-commerce and, and all of that? Uh, or you did YouTube first, you said, or yeah, what was the secret? So it was, it was Shopify and YouTube at the same time. Cause, okay. cause the, the way that I actually learned a lot was as I was doing it, I would, I would learn, regurgitate the info and then keep re-recording until I got it right and figured it out. And so that's like, that's the biggest way that I learned. So I was doing it simultaneously. But how, how, how do you go to Shopify? Like wh- who introduced you to the world of e-com? I'm assuming drop shipping. Like you're, you're, you know, what's the connection there? How, how that connect? Ready for this? Some random guy on warrior form in the e-commerce section. <laughs> that's awesome. I'll never know hey, who it is. Good old warrior forum. Yep. Good for you. All right. So your first month, you said that you did Shopify, you hit six figures. And that was drop shipping? Yeah. So this is like, this is when Facebook had less than, uh, I think it was like 1.2 or something million ad, or 1.9 million advertisers, something like that. Yeah. So this is really like, you know, this is really entrepreneurial success number two for you. I mean, if we're just, you know, I say that with caution, but everyone understands the spirit in which I'm saying it. This is the second thing you've done. Um, you know, the first thing, albeit not good, but it was a thing. It's still, you know, it's not easy to do. So, all right. So now you, you're doing e-com, you're in your parents' basement. How, how, by the way, how do you tell your parents that? Cause I just want to know what your parents' reaction is like, what the hell? This kid was this, and now he's making all this money on e-com. You know, it, it's my, my parents always knew that I, I just had the entrepreneur like a bone in me and out of everything ever, um, my, my mom has been my biggest advocate ever. She was like, you know, I, that's why I never pushed you to go uh, back to school or get a GED or anything of the sorts. Cause she's like, I know you're going to be fine. You'll figure it out. She's like, you always have. And I was like, yeah, you're right. So, so now starts your climb number two, you're doing e-com. This is probably not far from when I met you. You know, because I when I met you, you were an active YouTuber. Yeah, you were an active YouTuber, uh, and you were doing ecom. Um, you were all about drop shipping. I don't even know how we met. Was it through Jimmy? It was through Jimmy. It was through Jimmy. Okay, yeah. So, um, so okay, so now you're you're climbing the ranks. So, how did that climb go? What did you get up to? What were your major success milestones in that? So, okay like this uh, now I'm turning 19, but I, I've experienced a lot of, uh, a lot of success. I mean, this is all relative, of course, the word success. Uh, I, at that time I experienced, um, a lot of success that I never thought, um, you know, uh, listen, giving a kid who's 18 and a half years old, 19 years old, uh, you know, a, a million dollars his first year in business is, um, is a relatively interesting thing. Um, I just didn't know what to do with it. 
So I, I started traveling. Um, and, but, but again, all this is, is like superficial, right? So I bought the car that, and here's the thing. I, I had my license suspended. I, I didn't even have a, a real license. Um, it was a provisionary license and I had to retake a, a driver's test because it was suspended for, uh, based on the court order. And I never had a, a learning car, right? A learning, like a, a you know, a, a car that, you know, a beater car for your first car, right? Um, my first car, I literally, and this is when I said the, the worst thing that ever happened is that you go, that I went from zero to a hundred. Cause I, I literally uh, didn't have any credit to take out a loan or anything. And I just went out and bought at the time an I-8 and, and I didn't, you know, couldn't get a loan or anything. So I just wired $120,000, got the car from Idaho, shipped it here and, you know, uh, got a really nice place on the water overlooking Manhattan uh, and just doing what I love to do. And, and here's, here's the problem is that um, throughout all this, you know, as the years continue, is that um, I'm, I'm learning rapidly. I become very well known in the space. I have a lot of influence at the time. Um, and, uh, and as time goes by, you know, with, with uh, learning Shopify and advancing, teaching people, courses, all this, YouTube, um, I, became very, I became very unfulfilled, where the, the, the money stopped being like, the, I would make money when I needed it. Like if I wanted to go and do something, I would only work to obtain that because it was all just a endless cycle of the same thing wrapped differently. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the progression was, was, was very fast. Um, in like, I think it was 2018 or something like that, 2019, uh, clocked in like $2.73 million revenue with over 50% margins. So it's like the, the increase was insane year over year. And then it was, I, I forgot which year, but it was one year to the next where um, I literally on it didn't do anything. Like I, I stopped posting. Um, I stopped just launching stuff. I just stopped. I, I know this. I remember this. Like I, I, this part I vividly remember. Yeah. So I just, I just completely like, in a way, I just, I just gave up. So what was going on? Talk to me about like, what, why, what was going on in your mind for that period? So I, I reflected on this as well. Um, and there was, there was a lot going on, right? So I, this is the time uh, you remember when, when I was working with Tanner J Fox, right? Uh, signed Tanner J Fox, Ecom dudes. Um, and it almost became like a, like a traditional publishing. And at the time he, he was doing like a million dollars a month and I was getting a massive cut of that. Um, and, and I was like coasting, if you will. Um, and, but here's the thing is that it, it was so unfulfilling because I wasn't doing anything. Mm -hmm. so, um, so, you know, subconsciously reflecting on it, it was just the, the absolute um, kind of like a hamster on a wheel, just constantly going around in the same, in the same thing. And, and I felt like I wasn't growing because I was doing the same thing over and over and over again it would just be launch a store launch a course make youtube videos rinse and repeat right so it was just the same thing over and over and over again where it just i just became uh numb to uh to to like making the money um and and i you know still till this day i can't really pinpoint uh and there was just so many different things that were going on at the time i was <laughs> 
I was, and I'm so ashamed to say this, but there's certain clubs in the city where I was their, I was their biggest spender for like two summers straight. And we're talking Manhattan here. Um, and uh, it was just, I, I just got so lost in, in everything. I, I just completely was lost myself. Personal, personal issues going on at the same time? Did you have a girlfriend? Was there a breakup? Like, was there a trigger that kicked off kind of this, this downward spiral? Um, I had a girlfriend at the time, um, and the downward spiral. I really, I really don't know what what really triggered the downward spiral, but it just kept it just kept going down and down. It's it, it's almost like compounding downwards. So that was like what you know what I felt like it it kept only getting worse and worse and worse. Twenty nineteen. This is 2019, 2018? Yeah, just about yeah. So, so right, like right uh, yeah, twenty nineteen. Yeah, yep. right before the pandemic. So you're kind of riding this negative wave coming into a turbulent time, which is the pandemic. And I, I remember this time very distinctly and for anyone watching. So for anyone watching, like to, to give you an idea of like Dan and I's relationship. I mean, this guy has stayed at my house. We have um, we have he's my wife's favorite guest because and she, I'm telling you, she made such a big fuss about this when we, when when he left. We went up to the room that he was staying in and we actually questioned whether he ever stayed in the room. She was confused because he put that bed back together. You know, with all those, like we have like 17 layers of pillows that are like very methodically put where they are. I have never been able to get that right for like four years. Well, he did. And so, you know, he, um, and during this time, Dan, you know, I'm asking some of our mutual friends, I'm like, what's going on with him? Where is he? Right. And we're messaging Dan and he's not replying or worse. He replies like five days later. You're like, what the hell, dude? Like, why are you replying to me now? And then it's like he replies to you and you reply back to him. And it's like we're mid conversation. He just disappears again. Like, Dan, what the hell? Where'd you go? So this is I mean, I, I kind of when I watched your video recently, you released, I, I was like, OK, I put the pieces together. Um, and it was always like when you kind of came back for some period of time. It, I don't know why it was always like. Let's not talk about it. Let's just enjoy the time we have with him right now. Like, let's not pry and get into it. But so, Dan, then then 2020 kind of wraps around. So how is where does this downward spiral that you had go? How, where does it go? Yeah, so so 2019, um, I remember vividly, uh, you know, what what was the cherry on top on it, to be completely honest with you? And uh, I, I'm being super raw here um, was honestly is I saw where the entire, uh, uh, the entire space, the marketplace was going with all the negativity that was a, you know, just a bunch of people just creating so much false narratives about uh, the people in our space and, and, and all that. And that's when that's like, that was the cherry on top. So that was so like disheartening for me, um, like working so many years for this, for just random people to make up their own narratives and just destroy everything. So at this point, I'm like, all right, um, <laughs> like I, I, I'm really not uh, progressing. I don't want to do anything, yada, yada. So um, I'm, I just moved into another, because I've moved every single year. I'm like, uh, you know, like, like a rolling stone. I can't lay my hat down somewhere. So uh, I moved every single year and then I moved into this new, um, to this new place. And, and looking at it now, like it's, it, it, I guess where I kept moving was a direct reflection of how life was going. Cause it was always like, it was always like a downgrade from where I started. Um, mm. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. So, but again, it's just a, a reflection, right? So 
Um, you know, I don't know. Actually, I, I do know. Um, and I'm going to have to really dance around this because I don't want to incriminate anyone. Okay, so we beeped. I know, I know we said we're all talk. Um, I, wanna, I, wanna, I will summarize for you what was said. Um, but it, it, I find it important that we remove certain portion because it's just want to protect all parties involved. And I want to keep it general. So I, get, I think you guys will appreciate that. I love the fact that Dan's being so real with us, but at the same time, you know, we want to be, we want to be smart and safe. So here, here's Dan's conclusion, right? And, and here I'll summarize for you, basically. It was that um, a series of things happened that led him to a place where he landed on some drugs that are now in his possession. And... Uh, Dan, I'm assuming you may have started using them is probably where you're going with this. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's, it's like one of those things. It, it was the reverse of out of sight, out of mind. It was insight in mind. Um, and it was it was there and it was, you know, copious amount was there. So, uh, you know, at, at this time, um, I started, I started, I tested, I dabbled. And then I was like, oh, oh, okay. Like, hey, I can stay up longer and have enough energy to get work done. Like it, it motivated me. It was like, you know, something that um, like was a driving factor. I just kept going. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and then I ended up associating it with, with success because I, I was up for like days, meaning I could get everything done that I needed, but I was up for days and yeah. stuff was getting done. You know, the needle was moving, but at, you know, looking back at it, at what cost? Yeah. And, and, and I remember this part as well, very vividly, because there's conversations happening behind the scenes where like, guys, Dan's going through this, right? He's, he shows up and he's like, oh my God, let's go take over the world. We will conquer. And then like, Dan, hello, hello, Dan. And we all kind of knew what that was, right? And, but it's like, we're, we're far away. And you remember how many times I kept trying to say, hey, come hang out, come over, come over here, get over here, you know, come hang out for the weekend. Because I, I just, just felt like I needed to confront you about it and talk to you, but I wasn't going to do it over chat, right? So I was like trying to get, but this guy, guys, he did not. He did not come, you know? Hey, you're going to commit when the baby comes. I hope you are going to come by and hang out. We're expecting that. So, but yeah, he, he didn't he didn't come, but we all kind of knew this was going on. And so, all right, so we're, we're, you know, you are unhappy. You're using, you're going through ups and downs. Pandemic is happening it's a tossed up world. That's crazy. Uh, I guess you've also at this point started to lose all the money that you had built up. That's starting to go away. Lose it all is an understatement. I mean, it just all, it literally flashed in front of my eyes. Uh, it just, it just disappeared. I mean, given um, that business that I was able to build during this time of using and just being so euphoric, uh, yeah. it, it crumbled. It literally crumbled. It was a house of cards. And, uh, and it put me so back. I had to sell literally everything, uh, everything that I worked so hard to get um, and cleared my bank account. Like, Anik, when I say I had negative money, I literally had like negative 1600 um, in there. I, and I use it as a screenshot on my phone, like the background to remind me, hey, look, you never want to go back to this, to this place. Now, how long ago was this? It's not that long ago. No, it wasn't that long ago. Um, probably like seven, eight months ago. <laughs> Sorry, I laugh because I, I laugh because I, I know that I know where this ends and I'm like, damn, 
it's so you know it's so impressive what you've been okay so what is your moment where you your eyes open and you go shit i need to clean this stuff up so um my dad my dad told me uh to like i forgot oh right i told uh, anthony you know um you know, my my best friend um i told him exactly is this the same best friend by the way is this the same is this the same best friend like the one that you stayed with no different best friend but i met okay, anthony different. in high school uh through Got another it. mutual friend but we've stayed friends all throughout and uh he's he is like the epitome of of like a, a day one so yeah. i told him and uh and and another friend at the time that you know was living around me, uh, and uh, and and at the time my project manager for um, for the company that I was building, uh, you know they all knew, and it just came to a point where they were just like, yeah, you're self destructing, and they ended up telling my parents. So um, so they told my parents. My dad sat me down, and you know he was just very, he, he was not upset. He was disappointed. And he basically gave me an ultimatum saying, Hey, we're going to, you know, cut you off just as a relationship wise, because this isn't you or you go to rehab. So I was like, I, I uh, refused it at first. And then I was just like, you know what? Like, whatever, let's, let's go to rehab. So went to rehab and I ended up um, AMA. So against medical advice, meaning I, I, I dipped, um, I didn't finish rehab. And uh, there, there was just a lot of like intricacies to it. It wasn't like a real rehab, it turns out. So again, um, I digress from that. But I made my way out. Uh, and, and so I get out and I come back home. And man, let me tell you, um, it was the most counterintuitive thing ever. I ended up using more than I was using before I even went in the same day I came out. Um, and is that, is that common? I feel like I hear that story play honestly out. it is because yeah, I, I obviously like there's I a lot of that. addicts in there and yeah. they were they were like uh you know in there three four five times um Man. and yeah i mean i used way more than than i ever used you know prior to that um you know and it came to a point and this is where everything this is where it completely like changed for me um when i was using Anik, I, I literally felt like death like I would be, I would be in bed. I couldn't breathe because my nose was completely clogged. Um, I'd feel like uh, I'd feel nauseous. Um, but at the same time, I, I just feel like absolute death. I wouldn't shower for days on end. There was like food everywhere. Um, like your, your stereotypical addict type of, you know, lifestyle. Um, I would just shut everybody out. I wouldn't talk to anybody. Uh, and, and, just one day to the next, um, it was like a flip of a switch, right? It was just one day to the next where I was like, you know what? I, I hate feeling this way. Like I'm tired of feeling sick. Like I was just tired of it at this point. And even my mom said it, she was like, I can tell you're just tired of it. But of course, this is the whole thing about drugs and addiction is that it's not just a, it's, it's a chemical reaction in your brain. So my whole thing here is I'm using, yet I'm still trying to figure out a plan in order to trick my subconscious mind and reprogram my neural pathways to associate, you know, pleasure with something else. So um, like to, to trick my brain into dopamine release. 
So you're about to so, say something? Yeah. I have a question and I'm trying to understand this because I have definitely had a couple other friends that got into drugs. And so I'm asking purely innocently because I don't understand it. I think a lot of people, it's very easy to judge. I think it's very easy to say, I just stop using it. And I know enough to know it ain't that easy. When you came, so first of all, how long were you in rehab? How many days were you there? Uh, six days. Six days. Okay. So now during those six days, you didn't use you didn't take anything, I'm assuming, right? So you've been, you had a pause, you come back, you get out. How long from the time you left to the time you used again? Was it just hours, days, 45 minutes? What, what created that? Was it, was it a feeling you were seeking? Was it like, were you down? Like what took you, what, why did you take that hit? What were you expecting? looking for, I guess is what I'm trying to understand. The availability. Just the fact that it was there. Okay. Just the fact that it was there. So old habits, convenient, it's available. Boom, let's go. Trigger of being in the same spot location with, you know, uh, everything that was yeah. there and, and just brain associating. Hey, you know, we're back. Got it. All right. Okay. So now this is the part, I mean, you talk about this part very openly. So if anyone doesn't know, go to Dan DeSilva's YouTube page. You can actually see a, a thorough video where he, especially, I kind of feel like you talked a lot about like this and on, right? And we got the pre-story, which we, you didn't talk about in that video. So now you're, you're back on it. You're sick though. You're tired of it. How much time between that first day you're back from rehab to the point where you're like, oh my God, I'm done your reboot again probably like two months or so two months so that's a short time is it in this time that you find crypto or is it after you said i'm done that you find your whole love affair of crypto i was in rehab I, and and i was in rehab teaching people about crypto like the house that i was staying <laughs> in so i was all i right. was already ingrained into crypto and the fact that i was using just kept me up all the time learning researching um like etc there's actually you know old videos out on youtube uh, if, if you really dig and try to find it, you can just see um, like my facial structure. Like I, I look like an actual skeleton. Like I was pale, like super, super pale. And you could just see it was, it was a clear reflection. You can hear it in my voice, like how nasally I was and I couldn't breathe. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> it went on for a few more months, but it just came to a point on it where I was tired of feeling sick like i just i just couldn't deal with it anymore i was tired of being tired meaning i was tired of the three days four days up i just i just got tired like just tired of it yeah no i, I dude I mean, it sounds exhausting and sounds even more than the physical mentally i cannot imagine the torture you're going through right to know that you're about to take a hit of something you're not supposed to it's going to make you feel like crap and this is taking you down the wrong path yet having almost no power over that and continuing to move forward with taking that drug and then the shame and the embarrassment that probably comes like and by the way guys uh i speak to this not i'm not echoing any judgment on I, I've talked to friends and close. And so these are words they've shared with me. So I'm just trying to look for if that's the cycle that's going through, Dan, is that that's part of that exhaustion. Correct. correct. And, and I mean, there's one like key element, you, you nailed everything on the head and you missed one crucial thing is that there's nobody there because everyone pretty much gave up because they saw that, you know, you're, 
you're not stopping. So, you know, it's like this, it's like this lonely period. Yeah, man, that's, that's, that's intense yet somehow. So first for, for this, I mean, we could talk about this forever. So first of all, like I got chills hearing your story. I just want to say thank you for sharing it. I promise you, Dan, and for those of you watching right now, let him know in the comments, because I know for a fact that there are going to eventually be hundreds, if not thousands of people that watch this, that listen to this message and are empowered because maybe their journey isn't exactly like yours. Maybe there isn't, but there is a down. There is something they're doing. There is possibly an addiction. There's possibly depression. There's, and guess what? We all go through it. Dan was on, you know, someone can look at Dan and say, what the hell's wrong with you? You're making millions of dollars. You're young. You're living it up. You're living in, you know, sky high rise buildings and buying I-8s and nice cars. What do you got to turn to drugs? It happens. We all do crazy things at crazy times. We, we are human, right? And if you are having a crazy time or you're having a hard time, the biggest thing I'd love for you to take away from this is the bounce back that we're about to talk about. This kid's kicking ass again. And on your video, Dan, you said, you're like, look, I'm back. I'm sorry. Here's my story, but I ain't completely resolved yet. You said it. You said, I'm still making mistakes. I'm still falling off. And I thought that was the most human thing you said. Right. I, I just I, I really want to commend you, first of all, for coming on here, sharing. I, I didn't know a lot of this, so I almost feel like I owe you an apology as a friend for not even knowing these things. Quite frankly, I never asked. This is the first time I asked. And you're like, OK, here, you know, don't um, ask, you know, nothing to say. So, I, yeah, no, I, I, I hear that. So. So, OK, let's hear more. And then we're going to we're going to go into the bounce back because it's a killer, killer bounce back. So. Where are you today? How are you doing? Before we talk about business, like how are you doing today on the personal side and just kind of life and everything that you've been dealing with? Um, a lot better, a lot, lot better. So one, you know, one of the things that that really helped me, um, like just initiate change, meaning like staying clean, is that uh, I would have I would have the timer um, on my phone, right? And uh, and what would happen is every single time I would reset it, I would reset the timer and uh, like the stopwatch. So there would be times where I was like 142 hours in and there was like this urge to use and I did it. I use, I reset the timer. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, and I like, if I use again in 30 minutes after I would reset the timer again. And then it just came to, you know, it came to a point where I was just like, you know, like that, that's it. Like it's been, it's been a few months already. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, really the, the, the hardest part was, uh, was kind of like telling myself that I, I really don't need it. Um, yeah. it was just my brain tricking me into thinking that I needed it. Yeah. So it's not like, it's not like I needed it to become successful. Cause I already proved to myself that I could do it at a greater scale before not using than than during use so there was like this miss there's this you know misconception in my own brain that um that i needed it to keep going when you know in 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 all retrospect it was just it, it was fake energy like it was it was fake energy it was fake enthusiasm it was, it was fake everything um and obviously with all of that you're gonna experience a super 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 burnout like you are going to burn out really quick and you're going to become so demotivated. 
And, and that's, that's what happened. I mean, I, I, I remember just spending like a week and a half, two weeks in bed. I didn't get out of bed. Like literally I'd order Uber eats, I'd walk my dogs and, and that's it. And, you know, for me, I guess I'll end this here is my, like I've, I broke down so many times while using, and even, you know, even think about it now, it's really upsetting is the, the most, the most, uh, the dogs were the ones who really suffered the most. Um, cause there were days where I wouldn't walk them for like a day and a half. And, you know, I wouldn't feed them for, cause I was out, I was out cold, um, for, you know, a day and a half, two days. And, and I could, you know, it's, it's really upsetting to me. Um, cause it, it really just wasn't their fault, you know? So, yeah, man, heavy stuff. It's, it's a lot to take in. Honestly, I, I didn't, and it's heavy on me too, because I, I didn't know the, the, the details. I didn't know the extent of the details. I just, okay. I heard your story. I thought, you know, took some drugs and, you know, but, uh, but Hey man, listen, always here for you. You know, we love you. You know, I love you always like a little brother and, uh, always got your back. And, uh, I think the big lesson I'm walking away from with this is, and, and the lesson I want everyone else who's watching this to walk away with is damn guys, ask questions. Like I just never asked Dan. This is the first time I asked Dan. I guess I never felt like I was close enough maybe. And then when he came out with his video, I was like, Hey, I can ask now, but I just didn't know how deep the story was. Like, I mean, we had to bleep out a part of the story today. Right. Cause I was like, no, I can't, I can't, that's too much. Um, whew. All right. Well, Hey, uh, to every, to every good Hollywood film, there is the conquering comeback. There is the hero comes back and wins. Dude, you are just killing it. And I don't get it. I don't understand it. Like in the sense of like, I'm going to, I want to decompress this or decode it. You're killing it with crypto and specifically NFTs. And I love how before we started this, so everyone, you won't know the backstory. But before we started this, I said, hey, Dan, I want to talk about how you made a million dollars in the NFTs. Can I do that? And he's like, yeah, sure. You could do that. And he's like, hey, by the way, it was actually 2.2 million. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, wait, you know, what is this? And, he, and he's an advisor right now to projects. People are coming to him for his seeking his guidance, crypto and NFTs. And he's just, you're pulling it together, man. And I think when I spoke last, you were telling us in this group chat on text, right? You said, I found my calling guys. This is what brings me joy. Talk about that. Could that be a big part also about how you're now getting the courage and momentum to fix life? Like, was this a, was this a contributing factor? Uh, absolutely. Um, okay. so, you know, even, even use like the time where I was using and, and, you know, into crypto, um, I, I would have to say that it, the, the enjoyment was cause I was, I just thoroughly in, enjoy looking at different protocols, different projects, looking at, you know, different NFTs that are launching. It's, it's very fun. Cause it's, it, it comes back to the fact that it's very uh, like, I just don't like the idea of being constrained, like in a box, if you will. And crypto just, you know, learning blockchain tech, there's, there's no boundaries to what can be done. So for me, I just love that love the simple thought that, Hey, I'm not tied down to having to follow this one model because there's 
ideas and different things that can be done. The only thing that can't be done is what you can't imagine. And somebody told me that a while ago is that, uh, you know, I asked the developer, I said, well, what can't be done in a smart contract? He's like, well, what can't you imagine? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you can, you can do anything. It's just your imagination is the only thing that it won't let you do yourself. I was like, yeah, I was like, I really like that. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. So with crypto, do you trade it? You buy, sell, day trade it? Do you buy, hold? Do you, what's your crypto strategy? And then we're going to flip to NFTs, but like with crypto, what, do you, what, what is it that you enjoy about it? Yeah. So, okay. So crypto, there's, uh, there's a few things that I do. Um, so I do, I buy and hold. Uh, I don't touch Bitcoin um, just because I, I like, I like the tech, right? Bitcoin is not my thing. Bitcoin's like a store of value at this point. Um, I want, I love volatility, meaning I don't want, you know, like two, 3% in a month. I want like 200% in a day. And crypto is the space to just like that. It's like a thrill, right? So I, it's, it's multifaceted. Um, like right now, what I'm doing, even on the side over here, is I'm sidestepping Ethereum. It's not day to day. It's how fast does the price decrease? So if I sell, because I sold the top at, you know, local top at 3,300, but now it's currently at 2,900 and it took a day and a half to get here. So I sell high and I buy low and rinse and repeat. But with those profits, I'll actually go ahead and move it over into, uh, into projects that I believe in long-term. So super speculative, low caps. But those are the ones that will, in like a year, two years, get me those thousand, two thousand percent gains that I'm looking for. So, um, you know, that's that's kind of. But again, doing the research is what I love to do, and then getting into Telegram, talking to the founders and what their vision is, because um, it's just so it's just so fun to to connect with thought leaders and different individuals in in any single space that the realm is untapped basically that they can do whatever they want so yeah it's crazy because there is no norms everyone's creating the norms like you said you know and there's different sec there's different types of crypto right and it just so happens to be that you and i happen to actually fall in love with the same like i'm betting on DeFi. i think that that's the you know i think i think that's it yeah and and it's and you talk about it all the time i think i think uh Hey, if you can disrupt banking, what is bigger than banks? There's no industry bigger than banks. So I'm with you on that, right? But there's there's all these segments, right? People have storage value. You could have crypto gaming. You have, you know, there's so many utilities for it. And it's like, you find, you're right. I, I When I started really researching it, at one point I forgot about the profit side and I just got so excited about like, holy crap. So we'll be able to give loans to one another. We won't need a bank anymore. We will be able to pass loans and sell loans off to each other. We'll be, and that, and that's when like NFTs come into place because there's a contract that you're, you know, holding and owning. And um, yeah, it's, it's fun. So for anyone who's, who hasn't gotten into, forget the tech, forget the money, forget what it does. Just go, because I love the people that are like, crypto is going to die. Anyone who says cryptos and NFTs are going to die, I just know right off this, right then there, you have not actually researched what they do because they're not going to die. What they do is absolutely vital for our existence in the future. It's just not going to happen. They're not going to die. Um, I mean, heck, Facebook, I'm not a fan of the company. I don't care for them. I'm being pretty honest about this. But the fact that they changed their name to Meta, if that doesn't tell you what you need to hear, then, that, then that's it. So, Dan, all right. 
you, I remember you sent me this text, right? And this, I think you were still kind of in your zone of, you know, kind of ups and downs. And you're like, I've unlocked TikTok. I'm out. I'm in TikTok land. And you're like deep in the matrix at this point. Cause I'm finding you in random parts of TikTok, by the way, I'm just doing my normal thing and tan, tan pops up. Has that been the secret sauce to your NFT success? Cause we're going to talk about how you're advising and creating millions of dollars in NFTs. Would you say TikTok is the base foundation of that? You know, it's ironic is the, the realm of, of TikTok back in, um, uh, like September of last year, right? That was uh, September, October. That was the real transition of, uh, of me, like really getting like clean, if you will, because I focused all my energy on time in trying to game the algorithm. Um, and that's exactly what I did. Uh, so, I mean, you know, we were going back and forth with it and next thing you that? know, I have like 10 accounts that I'm trying a bunch of different when, things on. When I was building my first one and we were going back and forth and sharing tips and that just got so out of control and then my account got banned on TikTok because we were, we were pushing the threshold. It was fun. I didn't care. Uh, it's my old account now, but that was when, yeah, you, I could tell you were, you were in the matrix, man. You were, you were decoding. And, and so that was the beginning of, so yeah, walk me through, man. I mean, you, you're, you're creating millions with NFTs. What's like, you're talking to me, you're explaining me how to do it. Talk to me, tell me, what do I do? How do I make this happen? So yeah, back to your question, if, you know, if that was kind of the catalyst for NFTs, right? Um, it really was, I was a part of a, you know, I was a part of a few of a few projects. There's still a learning curve in here being like an advisor to these, uh, to these roles and realizing that one video that I would put out, um, you know, I'll never forget this one. It, it, it increased the token, uh, 11 X in 48 hours. So, um, <laughs> that, you know, and that's when I realized, you know, holy cow. And this was just on a side TikTok account. That wasn't even the five main ones I was focusing on. And, uh, and that's why I was like, wow, you know, this is, this is insane. Uh, and I never, I never did that again. Um, because, uh, given the fact that it's just, it's just not like an ethical thing to do. And I didn't pump it purposely. You don't know which videos are going to go viral on TikTok. You, you really yeah. don't. So, um, so then I focused my attention a lot on like NFTs and, uh, just talking very generic, uh, projects that I can't pump no matter how hard I tried. Um, and so, you know, what I realized was I was creating this NFT content of projects that I was personally looking into, getting into how I was flipping them, uh, et cetera, right? And next thing I know is that I have uh, Twitter blowing up um, and TikTok as well still blowing up and the new YouTube channel I was creating still blowing up as well, like really blowing up. And, uh, you know, I got a lot of uh, messages, a ton of messages from projects that were trying to pay me to shill to promote their nft and what really made me open my eyes was how much they were offering i've i've never seen there was in one in particular project um and i won't name the project but they did they did 14 million dollar mint in an hour so they you know minted 14 million dollars and then i was in a telegram group because i was connected with the owner through a mutual friend and he was like, hey, I see all your TikTok accounts. Can you just create two videos on each one spaced out over you know, two or three weeks? And uh, we'll give you $200,000. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh. I was like, I was like, come again? 
I was like, what do you want in exchange for 200,000? Because at this point, you know, in 28 days, I can see my analytics across all the accounts. Um, in just five of the accounts, uh, it, it was over 30 million views on these, you know, 60 second videos. So, you know, uh, it, people were seeing me and, and uh, I, I didn't take it. I, I didn't take it whatsoever. The reason why I didn't take it was because I didn't trust the, not that I didn't trust the owner of it, I didn't trust the vision of the project. And I didn't want to be that guy who just keeps on shilling stuff because he's getting paid for it. Or I'm gonna be, you know, those traditional uh, really big YouTubers that now get a 10th of the views they used to get because all they did was accept paid ads, like paid promotions. So I didn't wanna become a sellout, but I still wanted, you know, to, to reap the benefits of being in the space and taking the marketing knowledge that I've garnered over, you know, years, bringing it in. So rather than that, I started brokering deals, uh, you know, behind the scenes to uh, of these projects um, to go ahead and and basically be, become part of the teams. And some of those would be uh, some of those would actually give me NFTs. Some would be a small percentage of mint, whatever it is. But it wasn't the fact that you know the the money was was coming in. It was it was a fun. Ex it is a fun experience being able to um, to market these projects, but also know who's who in the space, meaning that because I position myself to not be a sellout, people now know that like my audience knows I'm not selling out for anything. Um, yeah. As a matter of fact, I grew the TikTok accounts calling out scams. Like it was literally called crypto crime stopper. And those videos get millions of views, me calling out uh, scams and the audience would come and attack me. But I had a core audience and I have a core audience that would attack them back. And it just so happens everything I call a scam became a scam. And, um, and uh, so so, you know, it's kind of what I vouched to is not to not to sell out, whether it was, you know, these tokens or these NFTs and uh, everybody started, you know, picking up on that. And I got put into these secret groups, you know, these whale groups, right, where it was the founders of projects and it was like these inner circles. And I knew and I, you know, knew and know what's going on. Um, and there was a recent situation that, you know, that happened and I was in that whale group and they kicked out the people that basically scammed. And, um, but I watch from afar, I don't engage. Um, so, cause again, I don't wanna be, I wanna be implicated with what they're doing, but I like to be in the know. So I like to know what's going on. So, um, you know, so I can make sure I veer away from that forever talking about it to my audience, but not burning bridges and not really, you know, um, throwing, you know, kind of adding gasoline to a fire when I don't need to. So, so so going back a little bit to basically the crux of your success with nfts by the way if anyone's wondering when he says mint it's a big word in nfts basically that's when you create from scratch you you basically give money and, and it, buying. buying yeah it's basically and then and and you get a you so when a new project launches they might have they they say how many are being minted right what's the number that they'll sell to kick off that project so to me, it sounds like the crux, like the foundation of your success with NFTs has been that you became influential quickly, right? So you have an audience and now you have influence over said audience. And so this is true for anyone in, in anything, guys, right? Like, I mean, if you become influential in any space, you will get money. It just so happens to be that in NFTs, that money is much bigger right now. In crypto and NFTs, people are giving out a lot bigger money. So I want to so so that TikTok was a big part of that. Let's break that down just a little bit. How how did you you have ten accounts? 
you've mentioned a few times. Why, why do you have multiple accounts and are you the face on all these accounts? Like, is it like still you, you're not hiding your face. It's still like camera on, Dan's on. So why not just do it on one account? What's with the 10 accounts? Uh, cause I wanted to test a lot of, uh, different, different aspects, meaning like, I'll give you an example, right? Um, what I would do is I'd go buy Google voice accounts. I, I, I bought like a bunch of Google voice accounts and I would sign up to, uh, first off I tested signing up via email and signing up via phone number. Phone number has more weight because it's more trusted. So you get pushed a lot faster than if you're using email. Um, another thing is that, uh, you know, if like, I would just test everything. I would test ha hashtags and how many hashtags to use. I would also test using hashtags in the actual sentence, meaning it wasn't just a video with random hashtags. It was, a, it the description would be, do you love hashtag Bitcoin as much as I do in the hashtag crypto space? So it would be, it, the hashtags would be interlocked in there rather than just randomly jumbled at the end. Those videos would perform better. Um, I would test out a business account versus a personal account. Personal accounts, you can use music, business account, you can't because of copyright. So. Uh, personal with the music, sure. Like given there's, there's some weight there that some videos would go viral. However, the business accounts, you can have a link in there. You can have a link, you can have a full bio uh, and those accounts give you full analytics and breakdowns. Those accounts are more valuable. Uh, and there was just so many different things. Like if I change the link in my bio, I might be shadow banned for 24 hours or even my profile picture, I might be shadow banned for 48 hours. And I, and every time I kept getting shadow banned, I keep creating a new account. So, um, so I learned what not to do and what to do. And I literally have an entire Google doc of the exact strategy. I've given it to different friends that have just blown up on TikTok as well, following the same exact thing. So that's a, and each TikTok account was me, like a video of me. Um, and, uh, I had, you know, a very specific video style. I would test out a lot of different video angles, uh, because TikTok, what, you know, what we've come to find out is it's all about angles. It's all about angles. So I figured out what works. And it's so funny because there would be a bunch of comments saying, bro, how many accounts do you have? Um, or I blocked this guy so many times. How does he keep appearing? I get, I got those a lot. Um, but, uh, the concept of it came from, uh, came from this kid that I saw on When I say he went viral, like it was like, it was his job. He would have, I at least know of 15 accounts that he has. They're all banned because the stuff that he says is the most edgiest and borderline, uh, depending on how you want to inf you know, infer, it can be very politically uh, dividing, if you will. Um, wow. And so it wasn't politics driven. It was just like words that he would use to a certain demographic that you shouldn't say if you're white type of thing, but he would never say it. It would just cut off uh, like it, those type of edgy videos. And uh, they would go insanely viral. And everybody in the comments would say, how many accounts do you have? I would scroll through TikTok, right? Out of like 10 videos that I see, Three of them would be his on three different accounts, all viral, insane, insane amounts of views and followers. And every single time I'd follow them, I would see less following in my following count. And I noticed his accounts are gone because TikTok would keep banning them. He'd keep creating new ones and they'd keep reappearing. And that's where I got the concept. I was like, hey, let's try this. And it worked. Before we started this podcast, you guys remember how I said there's two people basically that I say are so freaking brilliant. This is why Dan is one of them. I, we don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. My brain doesn't even work like that, but I, I just let him do it and then go to him later and be like, yo, give me the rules that I have to follow. But that's what gets Dan going. He wants to hack the code. He wants to hack their system. He wants to learn and figure it out. And he will do this not only with TikTok, he will do it with the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And, the next thing. and that's pretty much why you can't hold him down. 
he's just going to bounce right back up because he just, he'll hack his way right back up to the, to the top. So that's awesome. All right. So now I know why you have those 10 accounts. Cause I was actually wondering, I'm like, why does he have so many accounts? Makes sense. You're, you're testing different stuff. You're accumulating at this point across all of the accounts. How many followers do you have in this crypto NFT world? Probably, uh, I would say close to like half a million, if not, yeah, ha about half a million or so. That's incredible. Okay. So now you got this influential vehicle that's going to help. That's that's why the pace at which you've entered this space and made millions. Uh, rough ballpark, okay? Assuming Ethereum isn't where it is today. Assuming Ethereum is at where it was a couple months ago because Ethereum dropped like 40%. How much have you made in the last whatever months, six, seven, eight months? Like rough ballpark, all right? Give me a ballpark. I don't need you to be too specific, but if you want, you can be. Uh, definitely not specific because I don't know who's listening to this. Maybe you have some IRS people that listen to this. Um, yeah, it definitely is. Uh, it's it's close to um, for 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 the company in total because um, obviously I I kind of just put it under a an LLC for yeah. And and you you'll have partners that are going to get paid out. So let's give numbers that are general so that. So in total, what we've generated collectively out of everybody that I've worked with has been close to 17 and a half, 18 million total. Um, and that's across, you know, all the, and again, meanwhile, this is, this is the last two months, two and a half months, really since December, since December 10th, when, when I decided to, uh, of 2020, we're in 20, uh, 2021. Um, yeah. That's when, you know, that's kind of, and now we're, we're really ramping things up. We're really ramping things up just because that window of opportunity. Uh, so, so that was just, what was that? That was like playground. So now you guys are getting serious, 17 million. No, now we're, now we're really <laughs> getting serious. So oh, man, that's exciting. That, that's amazing stuff. Okay. So this particular one that you advised on goes on to do a couple million dollars in like a day and a half. What is that? So you have all these accounts. Do you do you do a hype up for a week? Do you send emails? You know, do you buy ads? Like what happens? Like how do you go from okay, we got it, you have influence, but how does that influence now become millions in a couple of days? You know, here's here's the thing why I absolutely love this space, right? Is because um, I don't need to utilize my influence to to make these projects rally. I like like everything I've done to make these projects rally has nothing to do with me. Like, I don't need to go and shill it to my audience whatsoever. And, uh, you know, you go and look at my Twitter feed, you go and look on uh, my YouTube feed. There's nothing there that I'm, that I'm shilling that I'm not a part of, meaning that I'm not buying myself, um, that, that I have to go out there and shill because I'm part of the team. It's, and this, Anik, I can't explain why this is the reason why I love it. Cause because I don't need to be the face in a funnel. I don't need to be a face, you know, doing uh, doing paid ads and everyone's looking at me like, oh, look at this guy, like, uh, you know, tossing around insane terms. I can be in the background very nonchalantly pulling the strings and um, there's layers to this, right? And, and actually props to you because I learned a lot from you uh, when you told me about a certain strategy that you use for email. And, um, and, and I, took, I take the same philosophy is is start big and start working narrow like you know you have this topic it could be like big opportunity and then that opportunity like the triangle that you showed um mm -hmm. it just leads down to or i guess it works up to that 
um, that like one main point, but it starts really big. And so my whole thing here is uh, we take a look at the entire NFT market space, marketplace as, as totality, uh, and we need to understand where it's going. So meaning that CryptoPunks, Board Ape Yacht Club, the PFPs, the profile picture, um, art collection based uh, projects, they're one in a million. Those are lottery projects, right? So what does that mean for everything else that's trying to compete as a PFP, just art? That means that they're all going to eventually die out. So nothing will last that long like, like, uh, like CryptoPunks or Bored Apes. So what's next? What actually holds the value for a project? And this is when I come into projects as like the advisor and I say, okay, you guys just have this. What's the utility? What is it going to do? Why, if, if, if you were to obtain, if you were to purchase one of these NFTs today, why is it going to hold its value floor price wise over the next year? And if it's just a profile picture, you and 50 other people are launching one every single day. So what makes it valuable? And then we, what I do is I sit there with the team and I strategize what that, um, where the market's going and what to do at the current time for this project in order to future pace to where the market's going to be. So what I really like to do is I like to be on advisory boards for DeFi NFT integrations. So because DeFi is only going to keep getting bigger because at the end of the day, people want to preserve their wealth and make more money. So, you know, we take a look at the landscape and we see that crypto gaming is massive. The metaverse is massive. But here's, here's what we need to consider is that um, it, it'll never be as big as people wanting to control their finances. Like money, money just rules everything. So yes, it's going to come in a wave where the metaverse and, and crypto gaming is, is the thing right now, which is what, you know, which is what I advise a lot of projects. If you guys want to integrate into a crypto gaming play to earn type of thing, you can, but it's going to have its life cycle. It's going to die a lot faster than something so that's going to be around for, yeah, it, so oh, fast, TikTok. so fast. Crypto gaming, it's gaming nfts are dying faster than anything i've ever seen hell i think profile picture nfts are lasting longer than some of these gaming ones yeah. um but sorry you were saying so DeFi. so I, i'm having a hard time give me a give me an example like here's an nft how does nft impact DeFi? it doesn't have to be one you've done just give me any example yeah so one um one that i that that i saw that i really really like uh that i've also talked about um it's called monks right and um the reason why i really like it is because the simple aspect of uh, a, a DAO, so a decentralized autonomous organization, right? And again, it's probably go over a lot of people's heads, but that's what the protocol is called. And you, what you do is traditionally you get a you get like a cryptocurrency coin from that protocol. You stake it, and when you stake it, that means you basically give it back to the protocol and say, "Hey, um, hold this, but give me interest on it." So they hold the token in their protocol, and they give you what's known as uh, rebases. So rebase is just a, a, a token that kind of pays you out uh, rewards like APY or APR, whatever you want to call it. So, um, you know, what's interesting is that that APY is heavily determined on something known as an Oracle. Now I know it's getting really advanced, but let me just kind of tie this all together <laughs> is that the APY is, is traditionally um, it fluctuates, but it doesn't fluctuate a lot. So in one case, one project like Wonderland, um, which is on Avalanche is, it was at uh, the whole marketing angle was that it was 80,000% APY, right? 80,000% APY. But here's the thing, everybody knows that it's so unsustainable. Like it's extremely unsustainable. So, um, and there's a whole reason why that project imploded. But again, that was the marketing angle of what an APY is. Now, if you have something more realistic, okay? 
let's just say, I don't know, like 70, 80% APY given realistic, we're going to put that in quotes, right? Um, Cause that is, you know, half of a percent for a savings account is realistic. So, so um, you know, what happens if you're able to figure out um, inside of the protocol, how to integrate if, if you buy this NFT, right? You put it into this platform that you're staking for, let's just say 50% APY on the token. However, if you stake the NFT, meaning you lend them your NFT into this protocol, it, the NFT acts as liquidity, right? But you can withdraw that liquidity whenever you want. However, because you're simply providing that liquidity to them in a the form of an NFT, uh, they're going to boost your APY. So rather than 50%, they might give you 60%. But here's the thing. Let me tie this all back to you, right? If there's only 2,500 of those NFTs and there's a million plus people participating in the DeFi space, and let's just say there's 100,000 people in this particular project that's paying 50%. If you're one of the 2,500 people that get an extra 10% for holding this NFT becomes supply and demand, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so somebody who wants to make an extra 100K based on the initial capital that they invest, how much is it worth to them to buy this NFT from somebody else? Yeah. That's so utility. That I understood like 75% of it, but I think I can get everyone else who was like, what the heck just happened? Um, by the way, yes, this is, uh, this effect happens many times when you talk to Dan DeSilva, just, just so you guys understand. I have lived through it multiple times. The first time he tried to explain to me how to use YouTube, first time he tried to explain to me how to do Shopify, I'd just be like, what? This time I almost kept up because I have been studying this. So I'll simplify for everybody. There's a place that when you put money there, they give you really high returns per year on that money. But if you purchase this NFT and you tie it together with your money and then you put the money there, they just give you a lot higher interest rate. So this NFT is like a turbo boost to your interest rate. So it has a monetary value because with that, your interest rate goes up. But imagine the more money you put in, the more that extra interest rate is worth to you. So the marketplace will keep increasing the value of these because people who are putting more and more money in are gonna say, hey, that NFT is worth even more to me. I'll pay this much for it because that 10% is even higher for me. Hence giving that NFT long-term leverage and long-term like life cycle. So, okay. But I have a question. So we got into the technicalities of it. And, and by the way, you know, we're kind of coming to a close here. But Dan, someone still had to develop the hype for it, right? Let's say you are sitting around with a bunch of people, you're on their team, and you come up with this cool NFT idea. We're launching this. But you got, are you part of that team that gets that message out saying, hey, guys, we have this? Okay, so you are still using your influence, but you're saying, hey, influence comes secondary or tertiary to the fact that first we need a killer project so no i'm not using my influence what we're okay. doing is we're using funds because a lot of these projects already launched something one time that come to me right so okay. we use the funds that they have already it's again some of the funds are like like seven eight million dollars sometimes it's crazy so the amount that can invest is is absolutely insane but remember in the beginning when i said that that project that did 14 million in an hour and a half came to me and offered me two hundred thousand. right yeah. now the only reason i even got that high of an offer because all the clout and how i was connected with him through a mutual friend but here's the thing since a lot of the nft stuff happens on twitter a lot of it happens on twitter i'd say like 70 percent of it is is twitter driven there's so many Twitter accounts out there. They're called NFT promoters, right? 
and they'll, they'll promote your NFT for 24 hours on their Twitter for like $2,000, like a thousand dollars for nothing for literally. And it, it builds so much momentum and so much hype that again, this ties back to me not having to do anything because you can reach out to that promoter through an anonymous page, an anonymous email, whatever it is, and broker that deal to just promote you, your project. That's it. And there's hundreds of these, hundreds of these. So, so that's, so you come up with a good project and you're just using these existing marketing channels to put the word out. So your TikTok channels, you're just, you're just doing content. You're not really monetizing. No, I let them all die. I don't even do anything with them anymore. I just wanted to test it. Oh, they're dead. They're gone. You're not doing yeah, anything. I, don't, with them. I, I haven't uh, created a video on them in like a month and a half. I have one, but I barely create content on it. I just wanted to test it and see how it works. Oh, so basically that got you into the industry though, into the know-hows and now you're in and now your biggest role is a project says, hey, we've got an idea. You come in and say, all right, I'm going to make it utility. Like you have an idea, now we're gonna firm it up. We're gonna get it so that it's got that long-term potential. And now, boom, I have a marketing engine. There's all these places that we can give money and they already have the money. You come into a project that's ex already got existing capital. They're just a little bit like, uh, we got tech, we think we got utility. Dan, come in and you say, all right, move aside, fix up this utility, make sure this is plugged in here, code this here, and then voila, here's all my people that I know can spread the message about this, give them X amount of money, sit back, launch your NFT. And you know, it's, a, it's basically like launching a business, right? You come in and you're the guy that has all the contacts. You come in, you put all the pieces together, build the team, call your contacts, do all of our PR for us, get the message out, boom, business is launched, publicly listed. Move on. You know what the they next. call those? Agencies. Agencies. So these are the people. So you're going to go to these agencies and say, hey, we got a great project. Do your thing. It's crazy because I mentioned this to it. And that's the next venture that we're currently embarking on. It's a blue ocean. There are no agencies that because Facebook recently allowed cryptocurrency offers to be ran on their platform again, right? Yeah. Um, these pro only some projects are utilizing Facebook ads, but there's a bunch that aren't. And it's a blue ocean. Nobody's tapping into it. That's incredible, dude. We could keep going. We'll have you back. I definitely want to have you back. I want. I want. I want. I want to know what what it looks like to do 17 million in two months that you said, and now you said, oh, but now we're getting serious. It's like, well, I want to know what the. I want to know what two months of serious looks like. So we'll have you back, dude. This has been by far, I think, the longest episode I've ever done for this podcast, which is. 250 plus episodes in three, four years. I don't know how long. So, um, but I think, no, I don't, I don't think I know this is the most real episode that we have done ever on this podcast. And I hope to do many more of them, but it took a brave soul like you to be the first one to come on. Thank you for being so real. Thank you for telling it like it is. And if you guys are watching, please leave them a thank you in the comments. If you're on YouTube, it's not easy to, to unveil and put yourself out there like that. So Dan, really, I commend you for it. And thanks and congrats on all the huge success. Hopefully you'll be back. But yeah, any closing words for our listeners? I'll leave it to you. To... Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, the thing about rock bottom is that there's no, there's nowhere else to go except up because you already, you're at rock bottom. And, you know, and, and the last thing on the side of, on the side of success is that um, it, it's, it's not the fact that, uh, you know, I'm not like special or gifted or anything the only differentiating factor is I'm willing to obsess about something that I'm willing to 
I'm willing, willing to go all in and have absolutely no remorse if it, uh, if it implodes in my face, but I know not to do it again. And I know what doesn't work. So it's just tapping into the unknown. Amazing stuff. Well, listen, everyone, make sure you go to onicpodcast.com. Make sure you click subscribe, click like, do all those fun things. It's been an amazing episode. We'll keep bringing more to you. Thanks, Dan. And thank you for listening. And when life pushes you, stand straight, smile, push it the heck back. I'll see you on the next one. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Fighting Entrepreneur with your host, Onyx Singal.